Before we get started with today's show, I'm here to tell you about Brez Coffee Company, made by gamers for gamers right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. Do you like lighter medium roast? Then try the Necromedium Holy Grail Light or Stamina Boost. Or if you're like me and prefer darker roast, try the Critical Dark or the Coup Slayer Mocha Roast. But what if you can't pick just one? Then try one of their specialty sample packs, perfect for an all-night gaming or in the case of my fellow filmmakers, an all-night editing session. Forget about all the crappy coffee you've been buying at the grocery store and head on over to BrezCoffeeCo.com. Use the promo code DDE at checkout to get 10% off your order. Have you ever thought to yourself after listening to this podcast, why didn't Derek ask this question? Or why didn't he ask that question? I know I certainly have. Well, you get the chance to do that if you sign up for my Patreon at patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast. You get the chance to ask guests of the show a question. If you're a fan of the top five list, you get the chance to vote on what the topic will be. You also get early access to episodes, accessibility to my film scripts, and so much more. And you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast. And we want to thank our Patreon, Tim Spivey. Thank you so much for your continued contributions to the podcast. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and coming up later on in the show, you'll be hearing my conversation with actor Jared Bankins. He's here to talk about his latest film, We All Think We're Special, and he also appeared in the Venom movie that was released a couple of years ago starring Tom Hardy. And it's interesting that it all kind of worked out this way because it's also time for the monthly top five list. And as voted on by the Patreon subscribers, we're doing top five post-credit scenes from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Marvel lists are never easy to do because there's so much great content spanning the movies and now the the new series that have come out uh, since January with WandaVision. So I knew this would be no exception and it was really difficult to do. And I, I feel like I say this ad nauseum when we do these lists. Usually the top two are very easy to do, but it's the three through five trying to narrow down what makes the cut and what doesn't. That's always the most difficult part to do, and this was no exception. But uh, I do have a few honorable mentions that I'll get into. But I thought it was actually a cool story as to how these post-credit scenes came into being. And that's because when Kevin Feige was younger, he saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And that has one of the most famous post-credit scenes in movie history when Ferris Bueller breaks the fourth wall. And he's like, you're still here? The movie's over go, go get out of here. And he also wanted to do it as a way for fans to sit through the credits and acknowledge everyone who worked on the film, because, you know, you sit through credits, you see so many people who worked on so many different projects and it it takes, it takes a village to make a short film, but I think it takes a whole city or even what seems like a country to make a feature film, especially ones on the level of a Marvel movie. So I, I love the post-credit scenes. I think they're nice little, you know, even if they're not promoting future films, which the, the earlier MCU films, 
their post-credit scenes would set up future installments in the franchise. But now Marvel's gotten a little more creative with it, and some really have nothing to do with the story at all. They're just funny little Easter eggs for the fans, and I, I personally love them. So I had a blast doing this list, and we're going to dive right in. Um, I've got two honorable mentions, and, and for those who might be watching the show for the first time and you're curious as to how the top five list works, I'll read off my list, and then I'll read the list of everyone uh, who submitted theirs uh, through Facebook um, I post a thread once a month saying what the top five list is going to be. Comment on it on your top five list, and I'll read them on the show. So uh, diving into the honorable mentions, and th these were really tough because I really like both of these, but they just missed the cut, in my opinion. That's not a knock on them because I think both scenes are great. From Avengers Age of Ultron, when Thanos puts on the gauntlet and says, fine, I'll do it myself. You knew when that moment happened that sooner or later things were going to hit the fan, if you know what I mean. The other, this was one of the multi post credit scenes from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Stan Lee's character talking to the Watchers, talking about all the adventures he's been on. Such a cool little fun moment. And it's unfortunate that Stan Lee is no longer with us because his cameos are always a highlight and I'm going to miss them quite a bit. So seeing him talk with the Watchers, talking about, oh, well, I did this and I did that, it was really cool. It was one of those that was just a fun little Easter egg for the fans. My number five, and this is a lot of people's, it's in their top five list, and some it's, it's their favorite. That is the infamous shawarma scene, if I can say that correctly. The infamous shawarma scene from... The Avengers. The there's a mid-credit scene and a post-credit scene in this movie. The post-credit scene is just one shot of all the Avengers at the shawarma place trying it out, and you see the workers cleaning up all the debris from the battle that happens earlier in the movie. A cool little uh, fun moment that I, I think is hilarious. There's no dialogue spoken. It's just all the Avengers sitting around a table trying out shawarma. I still to this day haven't tried it myself, even though there's a shawarma place that's right down the road from where I live. My number four, this is one of my favorite, uh, si like simply funny moments that happened in the post-credit scenes. Uh, Captain America's PSA on patience from Spider-Man Homecoming. Throughout Homecoming, you, you see these videos that Captain America had pre-recorded way back in the day, giving out different lessons on things. And at the end of the movie, he comes back and talks about patience and essentially revealing that the audience waited for no reason. I thought it was hilarious. I know some people were upset that they waited all that time for nothing, but also that's why they do mid-credit scenes too. I thought it was hilarious personally, but that's my number three. My number, that's my number four actually. My number three is from Guardians of the Galaxy, the reveal of Howard the Duck. And Howard the Duck is a polarizing character in the Marvel Universe, one that I didn't know we would ever see on screen. I know there was the, the live-action movie uh, starring Leah Thompson back in the day, but this was a cool little moment. And again, this was one that upset some people because they were like, oh, what was the point of that? I hated that scene. I thought it was funny. I thought it was, again, a cool little Easter egg for the diehard Marvel fans. And essentially what happens is... Uh, Cosmo the dog starts licking 
the collector's face and Howard the Duck says that it's gross. It's a simple little moment, but I really enjoyed it. My number two, this was really tough. These are practically 1A and 1B for me, but I listed this as number two, mostly for the significance of my number one. But my number two, Spider-Man Far From Home, The Return of J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. If we were to do a list of the best cast characters in all of comic book films, J.K. Simmons would be on my list as J. Jonah Jameson. I remember watching the original Spider-Man movie back when it came out in 2002. Seeing him on screen for the first time, it literally felt like the character from the cartoon series and the comic books jumped out of the TV or the pages and landed on film in live action. That's how good his portrayal was. And they never went to anyone else when Andrew Garfield took over as Spider-Man. So when this happened, I remember going opening weekend to see this movie and I gasped out loud when that happened because I just could not believe that they brought him back is a little bit of a different take on the character, but one that I hope we get to see again in no way home coming up at the end of the year. And I personally think we will, but just the moment that I heard his voice and saw him on screen made me geek out. I absolutely loved it. One of the best surprises that Marvel has done with, with their film franchise. Uh, my, my number one has to be, from Iron Man, Nick Fury's debut, talking with Tony Stark about the Avenger initiative. It set up the MCU, and it was essentially a reveal that, you know, the, the Iron Man movie was the start of something bigger. I don't know if anyone knew how big it was going to become, but it was still such a cool moment. And I remember specifically going to see this movie opening night, and I... This was back in the days of message boards. IMDb still had their message boards. They may still, I don't know, but um, I know back then they did. And I had this spoiled for me before we went and saw the movie. So I was a little upset about that. But at the same time, I was glad that I knew because the group of friends that I went with, they all wanted to leave immediately after the movie was over. But I talked them into staying and about halfway through the credits, they're asking me, like, well, what, what's going to happen? What, what is it? And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you. You have to see it for yourself. And sure enough, they were happy that, that we stuck around looking back on it. So I always like to, to kid them about that story. But that is my top five list for MCU post credit scenes. Now let's dive into everyone else's. First up, we have Patreon subscriber Tim Spivey, whose actual, uh, he is the reason why this list is happening. This was his suggestion. So thank you to Tim for that. His honorable mentions from Iron Man 2, Agent Colston finding Mjolnir, aka Thor's hammer. That was a really cool moment too. And from Guardians of the Galaxy, Dancing Baby Groot, who doesn't like Baby Groot, especially Dancing Baby Groot. And as I mentioned before, the reveal of Howard the Duck. His number five, the shawarma scene from The Avengers. Number four from Infinity War, Fury's almost first F-bomb before he's disintegrated uh, when he pages Captain Marvel. Number three, the first look at Thanos from The Avengers when the other says to challenge them is to court death, which was a nod to the comics because Thanos is literally in love with death. 
And that was something that they changed in the, the film version of the Infinity Saga, but still a cool little moment, and that was our first time seeing Thanos, knowing that eventually he would be coming as the big villain of these movies. Number two, Avengers Age of Ultron, Thanos' first time with the gauntlet, saying, fine, I'll do it myself. And number one, of course, the Avenger Initiative, Nick Fury introducing himself to Tony Stark from Iron Man. Jason Robbins, my co-host over on the Nerd Cave Retro Show. Number five, uh, Agent Colston finding Thor's hammer in the desert from Iron Man 2. Number four, Dancing Baby Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy. Number three, Fine, I'll Do It Myself, Thanos wearing the gauntlet from Age of Ultron. Number two, Nick Fury fading into dust after sending out the page to Captain Marvel from Infinity War. And number one, the shawarma celebration from the Avengers. I told you that uh, that would pop up a couple of times. Thomas Carter Rochester, go check out his podcast, Lights Thunder Action Podcast that he does. That is absolutely fantastic. His number five, the Thor drinking scene from Doctor Strange, which was an abbreviated version of the scene from that we would see in uh, Ragnarok. Number four, Wakanda entering the world from Black Panther. Number three, the reveal of Thanos from the Avengers. Number two, Jameson's return from Spider-Man Far From Home. And number one from Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Stan Lee talking with the Watchers. I mentioned that before. Really fun scene. It makes me smile every time I see it. Uh, Josh Shinnewark, his honorable mention, Stan Lee and the Watchers from Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but also from Guardians of the Galaxy 2, the tease of Adam Warlock, which uh, very well could be, he could be coming in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Number five from Doctor Strange, Mordo turning into a villain. Number four, the return of J. Jonah Jameson from Spider-Man Far From Home. Number three, uh, Tombs Not Revealing Spider-Man's Identity from Spider-Man Homecoming. I still feel like Michael Keaton is underrated as Adrian Toomes from that movie because I do not care for the Vulture character, but Michael Keaton's portrayal made me a fan of the character. So I, I think that's just a testament to how good Michael Keaton is. Uh, number two from Far From Home, Nick Fury and Maria Hill being revealed as Skrulls. And number one, Thanos putting on the Infinity Gauntlet for the first time in Avengers Age of Ultron. Jacob Craig, number five, the Howard the Duck scene from Guardians of the Galaxy. Number four, I'm surprised this one hasn't been mentioned yet, from Winter Soldier, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch's debut, them being revealed for the first time as post credit scene for that. Jameson's return in Spider-Man Far From Home. Thanos smiling from the Avengers. And of course, number one, uh, from Iron Man, the Avengers Initiative conversation with Nick Fury and Tony Stark. Julio Diaz, his honorable mentions, uh, Captain America PSA from Homecoming, the shawarma scene from Avengers. His number five is actually a tie. The both post-credit scenes from Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, Jameson revealing Spider-Man's identity, and the reveal of Nick Fury and Maria Hill being Skrulls. Number four from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, the original Guardians Reunite. The Thanos reveal from The Avengers. Howard the Duck reveal from Guardians of the Galaxy. 
And number one, The Avengers Initiative from Iron Man. And last but not least, we have Mr. Jonathan McIntosh. His honorable mention goes to WandaVision when Wanda is re- uh, reading The Darkhold and hearing the voices of her kids calling out to her, teasing that the multiverse is coming. Number five, the shawarma scene from The Avengers. Number four, the uh, therapy scene with Bruce Banner from Iron Man 3. For those who may not know what that is, um, this movie starts with Tony Stark telling a story. And then as the credits are rolling, you hear his voice. And we cut to him essentially in like a therapy chair with um, sitting next to Bruce Banner. And but Bruce has fallen asleep through the whole thing. So he missed the entire story. Uh, number three, the Captain America Patience PSA from Spider-Man Homecoming. Number two, Dancing Baby Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy. And of course, number one, the introduction of Nick Fury and the Avenger Initiative from Iron Man. So a lot of good lists uh, this month. I can't wait to see what uh, is picked next. But coming up next on the show is my conversation with actor Jared Bankins, as I mentioned, who also appeared in the Venom movie a couple of years ago, starring Tom Hardy. So had a great conversation with him. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. So without further ado, here's my chat with Jared Bankins. Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. And this week, it's my pleasure to welcome actor Jared Bankins to the show. Jared, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. We were... Uh, talking before we started, you know, we're both located in the South currently, so we're we're feeling the full effect of, oh, and it's not God. even summer yet, but it feels like it it already is. Oh my God, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a quick change too, you know. I feel like in early May, it wasn't that bad, but after it, it crossed nice. the halfway point, and it was just like you walk out one day and you're just like, well, the humidity's back. Thank God. Oh, I missed it. <laughs> uh yeah it's it's just it's rough it's rough right now but we we deal with it and we were comparing yeah. like you know the the winter in the north to the heat in the south and it's kind of the same thing you walk outside and it's Ooh. almost like a a suffocating type of feel yep just takes it right out of you for you sure you don't want to do anything but take a nap exactly <laughs> you're just like you walk outside and you're like nope and walk uh, right back inside not today yeah so uh I-, I wanted to first of all thank you for taking the time to to chat with me on the show and before we uh, dive into some of your specific projects i did want to get a little bit of backstory what was it that initially made you want to become an actor oh man uh well i had uh i had a really i had a really weird sort of uh hyper religious and uh other kind of darker stuff type of childhood so the thing that i always liked doing that would get any kind of attention was laughter so i would make it not really make fun that's not a nice way to say it so i would do a lot of impressions of people that either worked with my dad or family friends of my my parents and they always liked that and then i watched this show i think it was uh it was when biography channel was like a thing long time ago way back in the 90s and and they had one on Lon Chaney senior and uh I was like oh that's pretty rad 
And uh, so then I got into wanting to be a magician. And then I got back into movies after watching this other show called Movie Magic that used to be on Discovery Channel, too. And uh, so I knew I wanted to do something with entertainment in general, but I didn't really start professionally doing it. Uh, I would say uh, 2013, 2014. Um, and then I was like, oh, I like this. This is cool. And then it started getting more and more work. And I was like, oh, cool. I really enjoy this. And uh, that's that's sort of how it happened. Yeah, most people I talk to that work in the entertainment industry, there's always that certain thing that makes them dive into it. And then once you do it, you don't want to do anything else because I, I tell oh, no. people because I've worked on some sets as well. And it's really like a drug in a way where it's just like it's a lot of work, but there's nothing quite like it. If you're no. if you're a fan and that's what you want to do as a career, nothing else can replicate that feeling. Exactly. I mean, it really is, especially when you I mean, man, like the last year has been really uh Oof, and that's been like that for everyone, but uh, it's definitely like that. Ah, geez, this is the longest, not just myself, but a lot of other people have gone without work. This is awful. <laughs> this is terrible. And then you get back on it. It's like, ah, oh, God, thank you. So what what were you, were you on a project when when COVID really struck? I had just wrapped uh, something and then uh, we had Mardi Gras. It was like, it was the last weekend before Fat Tuesday. And uh, and this would have been, I think it would have been my wife's second or third Mardi Gras. Um, but just as soon as we wrapped, we, uh, we had fun. We had a blast all the way up until Tuesday. She and I left, went to Pennsylvania. I mean, not Pennsylvania. We went back to Maryland where she was uh, around DC area uh, in Centerville. And we were moving all of her stuff down here. And as we were moving down, then it was lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. It was the scariest thing. I was like, oh my God, what's happening? And then by the time we got to New Orleans in our place, boom, everything was shut down. And it was like, oh, my God. And there was a bunch of stuff that like there were a couple projects that I was on hold for. And then, you know, obviously pandemic. And then, you know, some studios use that as a uh, not really an excuse, but like, well, we can't really do this. And now that, it, you know, things are slowly coming back, they're like, well, we didn't really want to do it. It was just, you know, wasted money. So they're like trying to trim a lot of fat. And uh, But yeah, that's what that's what happened. It was pretty it was pretty wild. I can't imagine having to move, you know, across multi states when oh everything like that was going on because <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> well, you know, I, I remember seeing pictures, you mentioning New Orleans, seeing pictures of Bourbon Street completely empty. And I, I'm thinking, has it ever been that empty since it was built? Oh my God, probably not. I mean, even on our slow days, there's still a bunch of people. Like, thankfully, the last, like, since May, uh, since we had surprisingly we had vaccinated uh, at, a, at a higher rate than a lot of the U.S. did. So we were pretty hyped about that. So there are more and more people that started getting in the quarter. And uh, now it's uh, probably, I'd say, about 75, 80 percent to where it normally is, which is really cool. It was like that was the little bit of magic I had been waiting for uh, the last year. And uh, it's nuts, man. This, this has been a wild. Uh, yeah, it's been a wild uh, year.
<laughs> for sure and it, it's good that things are slowly starting to resume oh like you God. see like you mentioned sporting events you're seeing fans start to come back theaters oh are starting God, to open back great. up so no it's it's good it's been it's been a wild year but i also think some good came out of it too because yeah you, you look at you know i think the increased awareness of mental health has yes. become much more prevalent after covid I also think it gave a lot of people opportunities to kind of step back and reevaluate yeah. themselves. And even, you know, some have mm-hmm. reinvented themselves in some ways too. Yeah. I, I agree, man. It's uh, it, it shows it has shown like a lot of priorities with these little mini existential crises we were all having where, or, you know, it was like, what, you know, I had multiple times, like, <laughs> I, uh, like my best friend uh, and I, we would chat. It's like, what are we even doing? Like talking about jobs and stuff or how everything operates in, in this world. And it was just, and it's nice to be able to take a step back, like you said, and have these dialogues of, uh, man, what's really actually more important in life. These arbitrary things that we do that, you know, really give no meaning or purpose. And, uh, it's nice to kind of start talking about that. For sure. And I think some things that we've adapted during the pandemic will, stay but i think it's a good thing yeah i hope so i i agree and i really hope so um yeah it's, it's a shame that it had to be something like that to kind of allow us to reevaluate everything no agreed agreed there is one specific project that uh, kind of transitioning back into your acting career that i'd like to chat with you about because growing up i was a huge spider-man fan and <laughs> Of course, you know, watching the 90s animated cartoon, I remember when Venom showed up for the first time and he was just like the most badass character that I had seen on an animated show because he was like the dark Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Then fast forward years later and we get the announcement of the Venom movie, which you were involved with. So uh, how was your experience in making that? Oh, man, I love to tell the story. That was so much fun. Uh, I... I had done my video audition and this was after a hurricane had hit around the Houston, Texas area. So a friend of mine and I, uh, we, you know, we would work on houses together. So we were going probably about an hour away working on homes. And uh, I'd gotten a, uh, my agent sent me this audition for something called Antidote. And uh, I shot it with my mom. Uh, reading as uh, Riz Ahmed's character, though I didn't know it at that time. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Um, and because I, I knew the casting director too, and she always sends me great stuff to read for. So I got this. I was like, well, I mean, there's not, uh, I was like, there's not really much going on. It's like, oh, cool stuff with my body. Okay, I love doing that. So then fast forward like a few days and, uh, I remember specifically, I was talking to my buddy while we were working on this house and I get a phone call. Um, I think we were laying down, we were doing some bricklaying work. So I get a call that I got a call back um, and I had to be in Atlanta. And Atlanta from where I was living at the time, another part of Louisiana was a nine hour drive, nine, 10 hour drive. So, you know, it was Friday, uh, Saturday morning was my call back. So Friday night, jumped in my car, uh, and drove and then by the time it was like 9 or 10 a.m. roughly around the time I was supposed to be there I show up I am just completely exhausted uh, I could fall asleep at any moment and uh, so casting director calls uh, me in 
Uh, and then the director explains to me what it is. I was like, oh, this is rad as shit. Those, those were my actual words. And I told her, I, Paul, I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. And uh, he, he was really, really cool, dude. But um, yeah, in the, in the callback, uh, I did one take. Uh, he absolutely loved it. And then I booked it a few days later. And then when we were shooting, I just, you know, I thought it was fun because I was there like three days and just got to hang out in this really nice hotel in Atlanta. And I got to hang out with, you know, Riz Ahmed for like, uh, like all day while we were shooting. He was such a cool dude. Um, and uh, really for me, it was just like play because that kind of stuff is just fun to me doing like contortion and all of that and being like, oh, this guy looks like he's in a lot of pain and despair. Like, yeah, man, that's fun. So uh yeah, it was the largest set I had been on at that. Well, large in the way, uh, like it was just built, like they built the entire set because I had never been on anything like that. Like usually, like most television and movies are done on location now rather than, you know, building the whole sets. So I had never seen anything like that. So you could tell this was my first time is when I walked in uh, when the PA was bringing me up. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this is so fucking cool. And uh I was like a little kid, but yeah, the director just let me, uh, he just let me do whatever I wanted to do. I, I didn't get any choreography, nothing. And uh, Riz and I just played off of each other. That was about a, yeah, that, that all of that stuff was like over the course of a, a full 12 hour day. It was awesome. That's insane. The fact that you would <laughs> travel that far for, for that type of role. But I mean, that, that's sometimes that's what you have to do. And oh yeah man so what once you got to once you got to atlanta did the adrenaline just kick in whenever you started despite the fact that nah. you were exhausted oh no not at all man i'm <laughs> uh i'm a bit of a neurotic type of dude where it's like as soon as i if there's just that feeling and like not a not a weird cocky way it's just like a little thing emmy where it's like i i recognize a certain pattern of how things go. And then I'm like, I think I got a real good chance of this so I can relax. It's kind of like that where it's, or it's, it's either that kicks in or the, uh, you know what? Don't worry about it. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. Um, and the adrenaline only hit me when, uh, probably the day I got on set. And then I just started meeting everybody. I was like, oh, this is cool. I mean, and it was worth the trip anyway. I mean, the, you know, the, the, you know, they, they really took, they really took care of me. And um, it was a great set. I didn't get to meet Avi Arad, but I wanted to, because his trailer was next to mine. Uh, oh, wow. And I just saw his name on it. And I was like, oh man, this is so cool. And then I didn't see him. <laughs> No, all good. But no, it's and I think that movie gets kind of a, an unfair rap. Like it, it has some some fun moments. And I, I'm I'm curious to see what they do, you know, with the second one coming out uh, later this year. Or so mm. and, and it was cool seeing that character being brought to life. Yeah, it really was. That was man. That was a blast. That was a fun. That was a fun movie to work on. Absolutely. I'd like to work. Yeah, I'd like to do I'd like to do something else like that again in the future. You had mentioned, you know, doing things with your body and being a physical actor. At what point did you realize that you know, that was something that 
you know, you were good at or that you could use to your advantage? Was it like a specific role you did where it just kind of happened by accident or is it something that you knew early on? Well, I kind of knew early on because uh, I loved watching a lot of physical comedians. Those are my favorites. And comedy was a little easier for me because, you know, I grew up trying to do it. And my dad was also my dad and his best friend had a little comedy group. So I got exposed to a lot of really obscure shit when I was a kid. And then as I got into college and got into theater, I found out these different theater styles like um, a whole it's 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 a uh, I believe he's Polish. I might be wrong. But it was this Polish director um, and he, uh, theater director, uh, I think it was Grotowski, Grotowski's Plastiques, something like that. Um, and anyway, it was very, very demanding, very physical. So I was reading a book on that and then I came up, came upon this uh, really obscure Japanese form of avant-garde dance called Buto that's out of, uh, started in the 70s so like the more abstract and kind of gross and nasty something was the more i got attracted to it like ooh, i like this i don't like pretty stuff i like things that are really nasty and mean and gross because to me it's like it's got flaws it's more human and uh something about really physical acting and just kind of throwing that into your work is uh or into my work rather um I, that's why i like it it's it's more human to me anyway Right. And I, I think the physical aspect of you, know, you mentioning stand up comedy, if you're watching a show of a comedian on stage and they're just kind of standing there, not really doing much. But then Boring. you watch somebody who, you know, just throws their hands up or moves from one side of the stage to the other and just really into their performance. It it draws you in in mm -hmm. a way. And, and I think, you know, with, with acting, it's the same. If you see someone using their body to tell a story, it it can suck you in in a way or at least that's how i've always been that's how I've always no been i agree it. no i mean i agree because it's i mean most of our language is communication through body language anyway i mean you know since i was a little kid i've always said like words are bullshit words don't mean anything to me because your body could be totally saying something different you know what i mean uh and that's how i translated it anyway at least like with the type of performance i want to do and then i was like well you know maybe i could kind of throw this into film work as well more subtle because um i don't know just that that's that's what i like and and really i i, I do this because i like it and i'm like well what do i want to see and so i i try to do that <laughs> <laughs> we even look back at the early days of film before audio was a thing there weren't any words in movies it was nope. told through body language absolutely so no you're absolutely right but uh, as we uh, kind of start to wrap up here, I did want to ask you about uh, your latest film, uh, We All Think We're Special. Uh, how did you become attached to that? And uh, how was your experience making it? Um, well, I had gotten attached because uh, a friend of mine, uh, uh, he, and the, he and the director are really good friends. And my friend is, uh, he's the other actor in the movie, uh, uh, Will McGovern. And he had been, he and I met on uh, set a long time ago, really hit it off well. I say a long time ago, just 2014. We met a while back and then it took about a, a few years. And uh, this director and another friend of ours wrote this script and Will was like, I know the guy for this. And that was right around the time I think uh, like Venom had just come out. And then I was, oh, geez. I was, I had already been working really well. Um, 
And uh, it was like in between when Venom came out and then before I started working on looking for Alaska. And he kind of, uh, he was like, hey, here's a script. You want to meet up? So we met up for some drinks and uh, talked about it. And I was like, yeah, dude, I'll, absolutely. I'd love to do it. And I, I mean, it was, it was like that. And he, he pretty much let me run, run with it, which is, I always like that. If you let me play and then we can, if you let me play and then we can uh, meet somewhere in the middle between what you want and then what I would like to do, um, that's always best for me. For sure. And as someone who's, I've directed one short film, but working with a cast and seeing them kind of put their own twist on the characters in a way can be really rewarding in a way, because I think it I'm shows sure. it shows that the actor is committed to the role and plus they're playing it so they can sometimes see what a writer or a director can't. Mm -hmm. Yep. I agree. And then it's like, you know, sometimes if I, if I go too wild, uh, I always need somebody to kind of, Hey, I like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you just, and he's really Kirby is so great at doing that where he, uh, we got synced up pretty early where he didn't have to tell me much. Cause I'm always like less words. Do you want it faster, slower, bigger, smaller, you know, whatever. That's, that's just how I'm, cause it's kind of like you have a dog, like a wild animal on a chain. That's how I feel internally. And it's like, okay, let me, let me make something. And it's like, okay, just kind of reel it in, point me in the direction where you want me to go. And uh, he's really good at that. Um, and especially for someone who hasn't done, uh, I've, I've worked with quite a few directors who, you know, they've had, years and years and years and years of experience and uh particularly for someone who who hadn't had too too much experience i was not just su surprised but i was i was pleasantly surprised but really excited about it um that he was able to do that well and that's what's great about working in film and tv is the collaboration you know director mm -hmm. working with actors director working with really everybody on set all the set pieces and people working together it's it's like that old saying it takes a village to make mm -hmm. a movie and, but it's it's so great because you have people from different parts of the world that might have different beliefs different viewpoints on things but they all come together to make this one common goal happen and it's to me every mm -hmm. film is is a miracle in its own way oh absolutely oh god yes <laughs> the fact if you get it done if you get it done and then you get it out there and, and people see it then you win that's mm -hmm. that's how i see it if you get people to watch it and you and you get uh if you get responses i think that's uh, i think you win uh, so you can't be too hard. We're already too hard on ourselves. And if you create something and then there's an interest in seeing it, then it's like, well, you've already won. Yeah. Then that's a success. Mm -hmm. That's how I see it. Anyway, a lot of people don't, the, they, you know, we're, we're driven pretty uh, hard by, you know, finances in, in this country, but, uh, and, and generally a lot of the world now, um, but I find success in if you have an audience and you have people that are interested in your work and you're able to create something, um, especially if it, if it resonates, then, then you're a success in my book. For sure. That's actually a great segue into my next question is what's one piece of advice that you have for an aspiring actor? 
man, find what you're good at, like your niche that is a market you can corner. Um, I have made a good living being able to corner either, though I'm trying to think of the best way to say, someone who's not really smart. Um, so unin unintelligent, there we go. So unintelligent people or sort of those that are on the fringes of society. Um, like you can corner that specific type of market as a character actor, um, which is what I predominantly am. And uh, then you can get consistent work in that. Like you just harness that and then you can start to find others that want to collaborate and do things that interest you that are outside of that, but find what you're good at and try to be the best at that. Try to be your best at it rather than the best. Cause then it puts too much pressure. If you're like, I'm going to be the best. Like, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's art, dude. Chill the fuck out. Sorry. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, it's art. <laughs> no, you're right. No, you're absolutely right. And last question. Uh, do you have any website or social media you'd like to plug so the listeners can follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. That's the one I use the most. It's all lowercase. It is Mr. Uh, MR uh, underscore and then Bankins, B-A-N-K-E-N-S. Fantastic. Well, sir, thank you so much for taking the time to Thanks, do this brother. interview. It was great. That was nice, man. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Jared Bankins for coming on the show for that awesome conversation. Be sure to follow him on social media to find out what he'll be up to next. And also thank you to everyone who sent in your top five list for top five post-credit scenes from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. For next week's show, I'm going to try something a little different. And it's actually an idea that I've wanted to try for a while because next week is essentially 4th of July week. It's weird having 4th of July on a Sunday this year, but I do also have a homestand that I have to work with the Blue Wahoos. So it's going to be really busy and a little difficult to pull off a traditional show. But what I've been wanting to try, I've noticed a lot of other podcasts have been doing this that have been doing watch alongs of episodes, shows, movies, wherever the case may be. And this is also a new benefit to uh, being a part of my Patreon page is that once a month I'll be doing a watch along with you know, a friend or a couple of people will get together and watch something. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, you get early access to it a month in advance. And you also get to vote on what the show or movie will be that we watch. So I'm going to do a little bit of a trial run for next week. And I'm going to watch The Parker Syndrome, my first short that I ever directed, which is currently on YouTube. So you can think of it as a watch along slash director's commentary that I'm going to be doing. And I, I think it'll be fun. You know, I, I'm curious to try it out and then we'll, we'll see what happens from there. So that'll be out on next week's show. But until then, you can check out past episodes of the show on Apple podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast, just search for the Derek diamond experience. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D diamond podcast. I'm also on Patreon at patreon.com slash D diamond podcast. Thank you, as always, to my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music for the podcast. You can check out all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. And also, be sure to check out the Open Micers podcast that is hosted by Jason Robbins, my co-host over at Nerd Cave Retro, and Jacob Craig. I was their guest this week, so definitely go check out the Open Micers podcast anywhere you get your podcast. But that's going to do it for this week's show, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. 
Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday.